Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Trent Young. I'm here with Alan Small as usual, and we're excited. I, Alan, I truly am excited about this. Uh, we get to interview someone special today, and so why don't you introduce uh, Joel for us? Yeah, you know, Trent, um, a few years ago, I was a, a bivocational church planter, and I did pretty good on the uh, workforce, not so good as a church planter. And ever since that day, I've come to realize that people who, who are doing bivocational ministry day in and day out, um, they're the two true heroes of the faith in, in my book. And today we are so blessed to have with us Joel Dyson. Um, I had reached out, um, Joel and I are in a common forum together, and I had reached out to him and I wanted to call. I wanted to know how a guy like me could help, could help bivocational pastors and we had a great conversation and, um, you know, I even got set straight. <laughs> and so, Joel, we are so glad to have you with us. And I think that'd be a great place. So tell us about yourself and then talk a little bit about about how how it kind of set me straight a little bit and <laughs> opened the door for a great conversation. Yeah, Alan. So thank you so much. I, I, and just thank you guys for for asking me to be on here uh, with you today. So. So, yes, I, I have. I have only been in bivocational ministry. Uh, I am, I'm a really kind of a second career pastor, you might say. Uh, I, I actually ran from God's calling in my life for over 20 years. He called me into the ministry as a teenager. Uh, and, and I said no uh, to my shame. I said no for over 20 years. So I spent uh, over 20 years in uh, the secular world with, with really everything going about as horribly as it could because I was running from the Lord. But then, uh, you know, when I was about 41 years old, I finally surrendered to the call and started a uh, seminary. Uh, and uh, I was I was uh, I was working 40 out 40 plus hours a week going to seminary. And I was a bivocational children's minister at the time. Uh, but I've been in children's ministry that whole time. And so uh, working in the in the in the work workforce, um, with a full-time job, uh, being, uh, I was a children's minister for a while, a youth minister for a little while, uh, doing some missionary work, uh, kind of on the side and, until I, uh, until the Lord brought me to the small church that uh, I am at now, uh, Pawnee Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, and that was in 2015. And I've been at that church since then. Uh, I have since uh, also taken on a second small church, Springdale Baptist Church. Uh, and so I'm really pastoring two small churches uh, on a bivocational basis. Uh, the Lord blessed me in 2019 uh, by allowing me to take an early severance from my job and continue working bivocationally as kind of a part-time consultant, uh, kind of setting my own hours. But but that's the, that's the whole point is that is that I have been in bivocational ministry and, and I don't really know anything else. Uh, and uh, and so when He was reaching out out to me. And he was asking me, you know, uh, uh, how how he could help and how what what we need as bivocational pastors. Um, it, the the picture came to my mind, and and I said, well, if you saw a man out in the water drowning, would you ask him what he could what you could do for him? Because he's not gonna he's not thinking about what he needs. He's thinking about keeping his head above the water and what can he do just not to go under and not come back up. 
you know, and so what that guy needs is a lifeline, throw, throw him a lifeline. Don't, don't sit back and debate what it is he needs. Just do something, throw him a line. And uh, that was, that was where our conversation began, Alan. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah, it was, it was an eye opening experience for me. And I, I was, a. Uh, I was I, I was really moved. I, I was thinking, oh my goodness, uh, this this is a problem. And I remember telling Trent exactly. Like, I was like, man, you got to hear this, you know, because I, I'm approaching this all wrong. I'm thinking about how do I help, and, and instead of asking what the struggles are. Absolutely, yeah. and, and there are a lot of struggles. There's a lot of blessings too, but there are a lot of struggles. That's for sure, and I, you know, I. That's I guess that's part of the thing that Alan and I have talked about is, Joel, that we we want to be a help. Sometimes we just don't know how to be a help. And, you know, what how do we throw that lifeline? What's an appropriate lifeline? And I know, yeah, we can debate this all and we just need to be active in doing it. But but I want you to take just a little bit of time and talk about some of the challenges. I know one of the first things you mentioned was our your time and your schedule how how does that work for you and i know it's different probably for everyone but how, how's that a challenge well it's it's a tremendous challenge trent because um particularly for those bivocational pastors uh who uh, are are in a job where they have specific hours that they have to work particularly those that may have to work 40 hours a week when you're in when you're in that situation uh, literally everything that you do as a pastor has to work has to work around your secular schedule, and so your counseling visits, your 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 meetings that you may have to have, all of your sermon prep, everything uh, has to fit around the fact that you have a job that you have to go to, uh, and so uh, particularly as it results as it relates to um, sermon prep, I mean. Uh, you never, you never have enough time to to prep for sermons. I was when when Alan and I were talking before, you know, I, I was telling him. Um, Tom Rayner always says that you know you should spend about fifteen hours on every sermon that you prep, and that just I just laugh. I mean, I just absolutely laugh at that. Uh, and so, you know, my sermons they tend to focus on content and not on and not on things like illustrations. And I was, I was telling Alan, this is like, I, I got to make sure that I get the word. I don't have time to think through all of the illustrations and the, all the alliteration and all the things that, that other pastors do. I just need to get the content out there. Uh, and so, so yeah, your you, time is a big issue. You're chasing Sunday every, every week. Yeah. That's such a great term too, ch chasing Sunday. And, you know, I, I've, I've met a couple of pastors who say, you know, if you're not spending 25 hours a week in sermon preparation, you know, what, what, what are you doing? And I'm thinking, man, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, um, you know, we even in ministry, it, it, there's a lot more. To, I'm, I, of course, preaching the word is, is what we do, but it's not all that we do. And, you know, it, finding time not only to work on your sermon, but to uh, visit people and do a hospital visit to to be there on call for someone. And, you know, here you are, maybe you're supposed to be at work, but you've also had someone who's in the hospital or, or is in the process of passing. You know, what are you supposed to do, you know, in that? How do you balance? How do you balance all of that in your time and schedule? Yeah. And and particularly hospital visits is a, is a big one because, you know, with insurance now, people's hospital stays are, as short as they can absolutely make them right and so 
uh, on more than one occasion, uh, I've had I've had somebody go in the hospital and before I could arrange to go visit them, they were already out. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you just feel you just feel like a failure when that happens. Uh, and uh, and and so it's, it's not you can't always do the things that you feel like you need to do. Well, and I think that we put a lot more pressure on ourselves, maybe than our people in our churches do, especially when it comes to things like that. And, you know, that's been a frustration over the last year because of COVID. We weren't able to do those hospital visits like we have traditionally been able to do. I know that I I really enjoy those times because uh, you get to know people better, get to know their extended family a lot of times. And uh, but now that's finally opening back up. And and so uh, I, I get that. I understand that. And so I want to ask then, too, then you, not only is time, which time is probably our most valuable resource, but you've also got things like your finances, just your physical ability to get up and get going. Um, how are those things challenges for you, Joel? Yeah, you, you, you know, there. You're a bivocational pastor for for a reason. Uh, well, I, I know that there are, there is a movement out there and uh, for for pastors who choose to be bivocational. And I, let me just quickly say there there are tremendous advantages to being a bivocational pastor. One of one of which is the fact that that you know there are hundreds, if not thousands, of churches out there that could not have a pastor if it weren't for the fact that their pastor was bivocational. Um, and, and there are others who are choosing to be bivocational simply because they can still have a foot in the uh, secular world. And, and so uh, they, they have that contact with the secular world that a lot of full time pastors really struggle, struggle to have. Right. But but for for most bivocational pastors, it's because the church just simply is unable to support a full time pastor. And the reason why is because. They're smaller, and so, in general, their their resources are are far more limited. So, whether you're talking about um, whether you're talking about human resources to to you know to to man programs or financial resources to uh, to have various ministries, uh, it's always a struggle to to get the resources um, that are necessary. And uh, by the way, that's one of the reasons why I entered into a partnership with the other church. I'm, I was at Pawnee and Springdale Baptist Church. Uh, it was just a, it was another church that was just about four miles away. And we kind of began having that conversation about entering into the partnership because both churches being as small as they were or are, um, there are things that we could do together that we couldn't do separately because just because of those resources. Yeah. And, you know, those resources, those those resources have to be spread around a lot, too, because so many of those churches are maybe they're older or maybe they're still doing everything traditionally, as in what we mean is their methodology is, is quite similar to some days gone by that they maybe hope to recapture. Yeah, that's that's true. And 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 if I were being honest, both of my churches are older churches and by older, I mean, um, the, the people in them are, um, of retired age, uh, in many cases. And, and, and there are some, a few young people, um, but most of them are older. And so they're even limited physically. A lot of them are uh, unable to do certain things. Well, and I want to back up a little bit because of what Alan just said about the resources. And I know that your churches, the two that you pastor, 
they do meet on Sunday morning um, and then also Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And that's a that's a strain on your physical resources as well, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Um, and not, not to mention, um, as a bivocational pastor, having to develop programming, lessons, Bible studies, whatever, for three different services. Uh, I, I, I don't mean for this to sound the way I think it's going to come across, but uh, I know a lot of full-time pastors that don't preach three times a week, you know, three Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh, and so it's like, man, I'm already bivocational and yet I'm preaching more than some of these full-time practice. But I, I know that's really the, the devil trying to feed that discontent into my heart. Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, uh, we do meet three times a week. So, so for us, interesting, I know this is about bivocational and not about our partnership, but we meet separately on Sunday morning. So I preach twice on Sunday morning. Uh, and then we meet together on Sunday nights, but we do a lot of things like pray and go and things like that on Sunday nights. So a lot of times it's not so much preaching as it is actually hands-on uh, ministry. Uh, and then we meet together jointly on uh, Wednesday nights for prayer and Bible study. Yeah. So, you know, and you're right. Um, when I, uh, when I first moved to Colorado, I was amazed to see how many, how few churches had a Sunday night service and most of them had already given up a midweek service already. And so, so yeah, I mean, our church, you know, it's, it's Sunday morning and then a lot of it's about the hands-on personal, personal ministry. But I think that goes back to the, the spiritual and emotional strain. So we've talked about time and schedule. We talk about resources, but there's a spiritual and emotional strain. And again, we say <laughs> you, you, you've said this several times that you're bivocational for a reason. Right. And and in many of those cases, there's a lot of churches that this isn't true everywhere in some rural settings. It's just going to be bivocational. And that's just how it has to be. But in some settings, it's because that church used to be a healthy, vibrant church. And they did not they did not change with culture. They did not change with the time and they became unhealthy in some way for some reason. And and that really puts a strain on, on what you're trying to do. Uh, ab absolutely, it does. And uh, let me just let me just preface this by saying I love both of these churches and I love everyone that's in both of those churches. But uh, I, I would tell you that both of them fall in that category. And uh, when I when I first came to Pawnee Baptist Church, my first Sunday there, there were 16 people there. Uh, and, um, you know, and and so it has been a challenge the whole time. And, and we're running we're running close to 30 now we were running over 30 before before covid uh but but the whole idea of revitalization and really spiritual growth and spiritual renewal uh it takes a lot of work and so uh to to get a church to recognize hey you have declined to this point for a reason uh and we have to we have to accept that we have to repent of that and we have to begin working on recovering from that. And, and it's been at Pawnee Baptist Church, uh, where I've been since 2015, it's really been amazing to see the growth, the spiritual growth in some of the people, but it has been, it has been so hard. It has been difficult. Uh, it has been emotionally draining. I, I, I want to quit once a week. I mean, just to be honest, I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, and, and we're not there yet. Okay. I, I think even we would admit collectively as a church, we're not there yet, um, but we're, we're much better off than we were six years ago. Uh, Springdale, I would say, is at step one 
And so now it's kind of really trying to disciple and work with these guys at this new church to, to really recognize what it took really a couple of years for the folks at Pawnee to recognize that, yeah, we need this. We need, we need revitalization. And so there is that emotional stress and that emotional strain associated with just really worrying about these people are are, number one, I hate to say this, number one, are they saved? Right. Mm -hmm. Number two, how have they gotten into the, how has the church gotten into the condition and, and how do, how do we recover from that? And, and as a bivocational pastor, you either deal with that stress and your strain or you really put up a, a wall and you really just start going through the motions and saying, well, I'll just, I'll just pastor these people till they die. And that's mm-hmm. not what you want to do. Yeah, that's true. And what you mentioned there, Joel, that it, it is hard. Revitalization in any church setting is hard. It takes a lot of time because it didn't, they didn't get to where they are overnight and it's going to take more nights and more days to get them to a place where you feel like they're genuinely healthy. Um, and so, yeah, the stress and strain of you, you've got some goals. You want to see them be vibrant again. And then having the time, literally having the time to put in to those relationships and teaching them to get them to the place where you want them to be is, is a struggle, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, and Trent, here's the thing, because it takes so much time, Remember, you're 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 working, maybe working 40 hours a week, and it does take a lot of time to to really invest in the church and invest in the community around the church. Um, and so, who's pouring into you as a pastor? Who, where where are you getting your feel from? And um, I'm, I, you know, I I don't mind admitting I find myself coming up dry often, and I and I have to. I have to just really, okay, it's time for me to, to, to really get back into uh, the Lord and the, the word and, and, and find a way to fill myself up again. And um, sometimes it, sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's physical. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, in fact, in fact, my wife and I are leave, as we're recording this, my wife and I are leaving tomorrow on a, on a mini, a mini getaway, right. A Thursday, Friday, Saturday camping trip. And so we, we try to do that fairly often just to be able to get away and clear my mind and maybe spend a little time in the word, a little time in the woods. Both of those are good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, you know, you know, uh, again, the process. So let's talk a little bit, just r- jump into this process thing, because when you and I talked, I'll just tell you my first thought when you said telling me the story about two churches, you know, Oh, well, it's just a no brainer. You merge. And it's right. not that easy, is it? I mean, because, you know, there's this part of us. Oh, yeah, you could just solve all the problems if you, you know. <laughs> and again, that's me, me jumping into a situation where I don't even have the context and I don't have the knowledge and I don't have the information. And, and people who are outside, people who do not understand what you're going through. That's what that's what we do. We, we want to find a solution before we even know what the real problem is. Right. Oh, ab- absolutely. And and. um you're not the only one who has said, well, why didn't you just merge? I mean, everyone that I've talked to about the partnership um, between the two churches, one of the first questions they ask is, well, why not merge? Uh, and, and, and well, you don't know these people. <laughs> if I were just being honest, right? Uh, in fact, Springdale, um, Springdale, uh, the, the prior pastor that was there before I took over, um, they had had conversations with a number of churches in the area uh, about merging and 
came close, but at the end of the day, my church, my building, this is, this is mine. Right. And so, uh, do, do I, do I think that merger is out of the question at some point in the future? Um, if I say yes, and any anyone from either one of the congregations happen to be listening to this podcast, they'll be very angry at me. But the reality is, I think in the, at, at some point in the future, maybe, right? Or maybe, which is what I'm really shooting for, maybe we strengthen, by working together, we strengthen both churches so that it can be two vibrant churches again one day. And that's the goal for me. I think that's a great goal. You know, you do want every church to be vibrant because God placed them there on purpose for a purpose. And, um, you know, I was telling Joel before we started recording today that I was, as he was describing for me the situation, I was just amazed that they were willing to come together on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. That's a huge step. And uh, because a lot of churches just wouldn't even do that. So Congratulations, man. Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. I, I will say that not everybody is happy. <laughs> there there are some at both churches who will not go to the other church. They just refuse. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's the process of revitalization, working working in the hearts of the people in the church and in the community. And um, and I'll just say it's hard as a bivocational pastor to, to, to try to revitalize a church. And, and it's not me. I know it's God doing it, um, but there's just... As a bivocational pastor, uh, there's just so much more that you have to pour into a, a, a revitalization situation uh, than than you would kind of an, a healthy situation. Yeah, I can certainly understand that because, again, it, it, it's sick, and when you're sick, you you need care. And us guys, you know, um, I mean, we get a cold and we're shut down for you know for for days on end, needing someone to care for us. So. So you can imagine when a church is, is unhealthy and, and we're not always, even by nature, the best caregivers in the world. And so it, it is. It just takes a lot of time and energy um, to care for a sick church. And, you know, all of our churches have sicknesses within them. Even a healthy church has to watch out for sickness. It's when when the whole body gets sick. And 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 that's hard in a lot of situations, um, you know, have worked themselves into into that situation. But. You know, being a bivocational uh, minister, th- there's some things that we can do to maybe help encourage encourage them. And you shared with us, uh, us some thoughts about how you would encourage bivocational pastors. And and um, I, I, I love these. So you, you say keep an eternal perspective. So, so talk to us about that. Yeah. So um, as pastors, we know this is spiritual warfare. Right. And and so. Um, as a bivocational pastor, kind of you're, you're on the front line of that spiritual, really any pastor is on the front line of that spiritual warfare, but a bivocational pastor, I think is in a special way on the front line of that spiritual warfare, uh, simply because maybe Satan is really fighting hard to close that church down. You know, it's a smaller church and, and not, not all bivocational situations are that way. And so don't, so, so don't get me wrong, but, but yeah, you're, you can get so overwhelmed by the physical um, that is happening that you forget that there is an eternal perspective here and you are, you are making a difference. And, um, and there are 
battles being won. Like, like I said, I mean, it, it just brings such joy to my heart when I see the light bulb go off in people's hearts and minds and, and they really start growing again in, in Christ. And that we do, all of us need to keep that in mind, even when we go up against stuff that frustrates us, somebody who's rubs us the wrong way and constantly is coming and calling or whatever. We've got to remember that everything we're dealing with, it has an eternal um, outcome and perspective on that. No, I was going to say that if you were to ask my wife, if, we were, if you were interviewing my wife and you were to ask her, you know, how, how often does, does he want to give up and, and so forth, she would tell you that she and I have numerous conversations where regular conversations where I'm asking, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Are we making a difference? Uh, and usually, usually about the time I am, I'm at the point where I'm really thinking seriously about making a change. Is it really worth it? That's when God will show me through something, whether something that happens in somebody's life or some other thing where he shows me that eternal perspective and says, yes, Joel, it is worth it. Don't give up. I well, love that. I, endure, endure. Right. <laughs> right. That's for sure. Keep going guys. Well, the next thing that you had put on our list, uh, Joel is, is a great one about building a network of pastor friends. And, and so how has that been important for you? Well, that, that network of pastor friends is really how I have, um, kept my head above water, so to speak. Um, you know, when we were talking about, hey, th throw them the lifeline, that lifeline for me was just having people that I could go to, having having pastor friends that I could go to lunch with from time to time just so I could vent, having pastors that, that I could go to to say, you know, I'm struggling with these issues or these things. How would you handle those things? Um, and and even, even just in terms of, trying to seek out the resources that you need to get certain things done. Uh, having a network of pastor friends that, that you can go to, to for, for all of those things is, is really critical because, because a lot of bivocational pastors feel isolated and alone. Uh, you know, uh, you know, our tribe is the Southern Baptist and we have our associations and um, a lot of these associations have their weekly meetings and, my vocational pastors can't go to those weekly meetings because they're at their job. Uh, and, and so it, it's, there's this feeling of isolation uh, that if, if, that you have to be proactive about reaching out to others uh, and, and building that network of friends, pastoral friends. So, so partnerships, not only with pastors, um, what other kind of partnerships um are, are important because you, you, you mentioned that we need to build partnerships. So how do you view that? Well, really, um, you know, if, if you think about the partnership that our, the two churches that I pastor have with each other, um, uh, I like to view it as kind of micro church cooperation. Uh, and, and I would say that, that any way that, that, that small churches with bivocational pastors can, can um, link up to to work together to accomplish the ministry of the gospel. Um, I think that's a good thing. And so whether whether it's for um, resources or joint ministries or whatever it may be, uh, it, it, and that's that's one of those things where it's situational specific. And so um, 
uh, one of my one of my friends right now, they're 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 partnering with another church because um, they're they're wanting to restart their children's ministry because there are children in the neighborhood around them, but they don't have any children in the church, right? Uh, and so they've reached out to a, a a bigger church in the area and are going to borrow some kids for VBS if you so so that there's some base. There. So there's all kinds of ways that you can partner uh, to help kickstart things or, or to or to really provide kind of a foundation uh, for ministry that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. I think that's important as you're talking about partnerships to because of what you just described to point out to those who are not bivocational um, to also be always looking for partnerships too. Um, and it's not always, hey, I'm trying to help this other smaller church. It's sometimes they, every church needs help and can gain something from a partnership. And uh, so I think that's associations are, are, can be a huge, important deal. Absolutely. And, and like I said, as a bivocational pastor, uh, I, I can't always participate in our denominational association uh, cooperative. And so I kind of have to reach out and do my own on my own time when I can. Yeah. And, you know, we're all, all three, a part of a, of a group called church answers, which certainly helps. And I know you're very active Joel in, the, in that community. And that does, it gives you a chance to sometimes vent, but also share some, some of the things that you've learned as well to, to help someone else. And I think that's really valuable. You know, I would add, you know, if anyone gets a hold of this and they are an, an entrepreneur in ministry, you know, so much, so much of the partnerships in ministry, everyone wants to partner with the mega church. You know, the mega church probably doesn't need your partnership because they can create anything they need inside. But there is a great there's a great potential out there for someone who would really learn to connect with churches that are in bivocational situations, you know, and, and just by sheer volume alone to do a great business to help smaller churches with with everything like websites um, and ministry ideas and, and, and different resources. And, you know, I think there's a great opportunity out there for, for that entrepreneurial spirit to help because, um, because there are so many, you know, I, I don't think we really fathom how many of our churches are truly bivocational out there. If the average church in, in America is under a hundred and that's, and that accounts for 85 to 90% of the churches, um, that means a great number of the, of the churches are, are bivocational. And we're going to see that trend continue. It's not going to decrease in number. It's probably going to increase in number in the coming days. And so I think I think this whole idea of partnership, I really think that's almost the essence of, of small church life now, whether it's partnering with other churches or people who are doing providing ministry sources. I, I just love the idea of partnership because that's really what churches are supposed to do together anyway. Is partner Absolutely. Together. I agree. Well, and I think that, you know, the people in the pew, not just from the pastoral standpoint, I think the people in the pew get excited about partnering and seeing some exciting things happen. Maybe they haven't thought about it in a long time, or maybe nobody's ever presented the idea, but once they see it working well, I think that people get excited about we're not the only ones. We, you know, there are other people that are Christians too, and, and we can have some fellowship. Because I think those people in the pew need the fellowship just as much as the pastor does. I agree. And and that's why one of the other encouragements that I had listed for you guys was to celebrate your successes. 
so often we get so wrapped up and caught up in in chasing Sunday uh, that we we don't see the successes that are there, and th and they don't have to be partnership successes. There are there are successes even within your own church. God is always working. God is always working. And if you open your eyes and you see where he is working, you see the successes, um, celebrate those successes because, because that's how you fill yourself back up. That's how you, that's how God shows you that it is worth it when you see where he is working. But if we don't, if we're, if we're so wrapped up in, uh, I'm just trying to get to Sunday. I'm just trying to get to Sunday. We, we may not see those the way, the way we should. Yeah, that's so true. And that's, that's so wise in every part of ministry, bivocational, whatever, every church celebrate the successes. Um, you know, if the angels in heaven can celebrate when one lost person comes to Christ, we, we, we should party too. I mean, there's, there's a reason, there's a reason to celebrate. Now I don't know what we, you don't want church to be a dirge. It, it should be a place. It should be a place of more celebration and uh, because God is always working and we want to celebrate um, what he's doing. You also mentioned that we need to take care of ourselves physically and spiritually. You mentioned some some of the things you do, but I think that's been a growing concern of mine just to recognize some unhealthy things that I had in my life and really trying to take care of, of my health. I know Trent has, has uh, experienced the, this, the same thing. And, I, you know, I, I, I certainly would like to trumpet that for pastors. You, you've got to take care of yourself um, phys physically and spiritually and emotionally. Yeah. And, and, and I would tell you, I, I put that one on the list because it's the one I struggle with the most. Uh, I, I, I am not where I need to be physically. I, I have to admit that I have to, I, I daily, I daily repent of the fact of the fact that, uh, I am, uh, overweight and, and I need to lose weight. Um, uh, but again, it's, you know, when, as a bivocational pastor, when um, when all of your energies are going into uh, either work or ministry, um, where's the time for you? Uh, and and I I'm not going to lie, I really struggle with the time for me. And uh, and and my wife and I we do find time, uh, you know, to go camping and, and get away and things like that. But but the daily consistent. Um, exercise, those kind of things. I'm not going to lie. I struggle with them. I think everybody does. And it's, it's really because we don't see investing in ourselves as as valuable as investing in other people. Um, and that's been a struggle for me, you know, Alan and I, Alan knows I've been in the hospital with heart bypasses and everything else. So yeah, it's a, it's a struggle for all of us and, and the stress of ministry and uh, bivocational ministry, I'm sure more so uh really can add up and and uh we just it, it's important that we do take care of ourselves physically so that we can help and take care of people in our churches but also spiritually um you know you mentioned before that there are times you feel dry like you've just given everything that you've got and so how do you how do you feel back up you you know what are some ways that help you with that well, well, obviously, the most important thing is making sure that I am in the word for me on a regular basis. Right. Um, again, as a bivocational pastor, your time is limited. And so if you're if you're doing three Bible lessons, you know, a sermon and maybe two Bible studies a week. And by the way, I didn't mention I also have a small group men's discipleship that I do on Tuesday nights. Right. 
just just where I'm investing in a couple of uh, just several of the men from the church, uh, just us getting together, wrestling with God's word. So so you got all of that going on. Um, it's sometimes you sometimes if you're not careful, you can forget about the fact that I need to drink in God's word. I need to drink in the presence of God for me, not not for Bible study for me. Uh, and so I, I have to do that a lot. And I listen to a lot of podcasts, including yours. <laughs> well, thank you. And, well, you know, of course. So, I mean. so, yeah, so I listen, I listen to podcasts. I listen to pastors. Uh, I, I try to spend as much time as I can in the word. Um, but, but sometimes it's just, you know, when you find yourself really empty, it's generally because you have somehow neglected that. That's really true. I know that I've seen that all the time in myself, and it's a struggle constantly to to take time to make sure that I do that. Well, um, Joel, I, I just want to remind everybody, if you're listening, that uh, Joel Dyson, he is a bivocational or co-vocational or multivocational uh, pastor and uh, does so much. And, you know, this is an area that Alan and I, we want to be helpful. And I think that others do as well, but sometimes we don't know how to be helpful. Um, and I appreciate that Joel has shown us that we just need to jump in and do something. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason why, you know, you, you can't say, well, do A or B or C is because every bivocational pastor situation is different, right? He's struggling to keep his head above water, but it's for a very specific reason that's that's contextualized to his situation. Uh, and so it's it's really uh, different for every pastor. It, for one pastor, it may be it may be relationships in the church. For another pastor, it may be the stresses of his job. For another pastor, um, it, it just it just may be. Uh, his family. Uh, I have a good friend who left the ministry. Well, he left. I don't know that he's left the ministry, but he has. He left being a pastor because of his family and the situation with his family. Uh, and between his family and COVID and everything, it was just more than he could bear. And he ended up leaving the ministry as a result. So, so yeah, there's every situation for a bivocational pastor is different. They're all most of them are probably struggling in one way or another, but there is no single solution for any of us except to put our faith and our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I want to encourage you, if you're a pastor out there and you're, you are fortunate to be in a full-time ministry or something, I, I want to encourage you, open your eyes um, to, to look for, for opportunities to partner with a church. Um, you know, I, I've, I've always been amazed. We, we did a big giveaway in our church last week. We, we gave away a bunch of gift cards and told our church to go bless someone. Um, go go find someone, you know, um, and, and, and you be a blessing to someone. And one of the first questions when we were planning that day that I was asked was, well, people will think we're doing too well financially and they won't give. Um, and I've always found it to be the exact opposite. The more generous you are, the, the greater the return. And I, I believe that's true for all our churches. When we partner together and we're generous with, with other churches, 
um, I believe that God opens the doors of blessing when we're generous with our people, when we're generous with our with our funds, when we're generous generosity, um, because God's kingdom grows off of that. That's that's the fruit of the spirit at work um, in our very midst. And so uh, I want to encourage pastors, you know, reach out, open your eyes to the struggles of others around you. And and you know, not only that. You find you'll you'll find a way to that your situation <laughs> and and all the struggles you're going through. You find that you're sharing those with others who are going through those same struggles. And so, so uh, please please do that. And before we go, Joel, there is one other thing you, you wanted to make sure that people know that if we're talking about some of the struggles and stuff, it's a worthwhile struggle, right? Absolutely. Just just remember, um, hey, there are churches that could not have a pastor if it wasn't for bivocational pastors. And and that's just, that's the number one thing is that you, you are, you are ministering to the, the flock of Jesus Christ. You are ministering to his sheep that would not have a, a shepherd or an under shepherd. If it weren't for the fact that you also had another job that you could, could, could count on. Uh, and so, um, don't don't lose sight of that. R- remember that you you are you are God's under Jesus's under shepherd, and those are His sheep, and they they would not have a shepherd without you, and and that's so important. I love that. I love that. And I I think we need to be reminded that you're ministering to some future Sunday school teachers. You're ministering to some future pastors, uh, music leaders. Um, great leaders that, that will share Christ in innumerable ways. And so we, we need to keep that in mind. I think that's a blessing big time. So Joel, I just want to say thank you, first of all, for the conversation we had a few weeks ago. Sure. Um, it was an eye-opening experience for me. It, it, it really touched me. And then your willingness to be with us today um, is, is truly something that I believe is going to, to have a life that's a lot bigger uh, than, than our conversation. And so thank you so much for taking your time to join us today. It means so much. Yeah, it's been my pleasure and, and I have very much enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. And so folks, we want to in- thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, again, Alan and I do this because we want to be a blessing to you. Um, we want to walk beside you and, and encourage you. And if we can do that in a more um, personal way, Uh, You can always contact us on our Facebook page at Enduring Churches. You can also go to EnduringChurches.com. You can contact Alan by email at ALAN at EnduringChurches.Consulting and Trent at EnduringChurches.Consulting as well. And we just want to be there for you. Alan, is there anything else we need to say before we say goodbye? Well, you know, uh, I was so grateful that, that Joel said, and he listens to our podcast because it is sheer bro- broadcast excellence. So please share this. Uh, please share this with with someone else. We would love to connect with pastors. We're really here. We we just hope we're an encouragement. We know we know we're we're a couple bricks shy of a full load sometimes, but we we uh, enjoy this and we we're here to help you. And so thank you for taking time to listen. But please pass this on to someone else. So thanks again for joining us and we look forward um, to catching you on our very next episode.